Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I love songs that are written about stories. That was great. If you need a worship guide, these gentlemen are here. Just lift your hand up high enough where they can see it, and they'll give you one as they uh, kind of look over the auditorium. So just do that for us and for you, and we would be thankful. 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> I want you to find your place there. Kind of get comfortable there. We'll be there the entire sermon. We've been learning that attitude is what? Everything. That's what we've been learning. We've been learning that. And, it's, and we've been learning that God is very, very, very interested in our attitudes. God is interested in your attitude. God is interested in my attitude. In fact, you know, we, we started this series with a negative attitude. The, the odd numbers, 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9, will be the negative attitudes. So number one, this is sermon four, we're on a positive attitude, but number one to review was the attitude of what? Complaining, grumbling, thank you, that's right. That attitude is the, I think, the foundation of all bad attitudes. In fact, you'll never get to the positive attitudes, the, the, the solution attitudes, if you have this one. This one will destroy any attitude. This one is the one that is the granddaddy of them all. This is the one who couldn't even enjoy the song that Sanjay just sang without grumbling about it and making fun of it. Or someone maybe, you know, people struggle sometimes. They can't even enjoy a service because they're going to find something wrong because they see the glass half empty and they don't see it half full. A complainer is a hard person to ever grow spiritually. A complainer is someone that will have a hard time really ever getting a hold of of the goodness of God, of of the greatness of God of the uh, joyful living that God has for us because they just always complain. And God hates it. God calls it sin. And God did one of the most radical things ever done in Scripture, if not the most radical thing, by because of their complaining, not allowing them to go to the promised land. Unbelievable, really. Mind-boggling. But then we found out there's a solution to complaining, and it destroys it, it explodes it, it removes it from our lives, it replaces it in its gratitude. Being thankful. It's an amazing gift. It's an amazing trait. It's an amazing attitude just to be thankful, to say the words, thank you, to express gratitude, to to not be so concerned about getting and getting and getting, but but, but to giving and and saying thank you and and being expressive in your thanks. And, oh, we had a wonderful time that Sunday. And then last time I preached, I talked about the, the second negative attitude, problem attitude, and it's this, covetousness. I hate the word. It's hard to say. I have to practice. Literally, I was saying it wrong because it's like a tongue twister. It's like covetousness, you know. Covetousness. You feel weird saying it. It's a horrible word. I don't want to have any part in it. After I learned what it was and how it destroys lives and, and how it destroys families and how it, the, the attitude is, is an attitude that God hates. It's just never satisfied. This person always wants more, always wants better. And when that shows up in my life, it's rotten. It stinks. It, it's not a good thing. And it shows up sometimes that I want to destroy covetousness. I want to settle it once and for all. And so I got to replace it. And I'm going to replace it with, are you ready? Take a deep breath. Enjoy a cup of coffee. Kick back and enjoy the word contentment. What a word. Covetousness or contentment. What do you like better? I love the word already. Contentment. It's an amazing attitude. It's something that we put on when we put off covetousness. 
And so we find in 1 Timothy chapter 6 some amazing verses. I want you to look at it with me, beginning in verse 3. These verses are so plain, so clear, so convicting, so incredibly, wow, in your face. I mean, it's one of those, you, you have to be ready for it. So let's all really ask the Holy Spirit of God to open our eyes to, to accept this truth. Beginning in verse 3, listen to what Timothy says. If any man teaches otherwise and consents not the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Very important word in this passage, godliness. This man's proud. He doesn't know anything. He just asks a lot of stupid questions, and he, he's always about strife in his words. And from him and from his words comes envy and strife. Railings, that word railings means abusive language. Evil surmisings, or he's suspicious. Perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of truth. These people suppose that gain is godliness. Now let me tell you what to do with those people. That's a crowd you want to stay away from. Withdraw yourself from that crowd. Don't hang out with them. Don't be around them. Wow. These are strong words. Because of why? What is the true equation? What is the true doctrine of godliness? It's found in the next verse. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it's certain we'll carry nothing out. Food, raiment, it's all we need. That's it. Let's be content with those two things. But let me warn you. They that will be rich. English Standard Version says, they that desire to be rich. Fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction for the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some, there's that word, coveted after, oh, they've erred from the faith and they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Hopefully by the end of the sermon, we'll get a couple of amens. But right now, there's silence in the building. The opposite of covetousness is contentment. They are as far apart as any two words in the English language. I mean, covetousness is a thousand miles this way, and contentment is a thousand miles this way. What is the definition of contentment? I like this one of all the ones I studied. It is a satisfaction in God's sufficient provision. I didn't give you that first, did I? Thank you. Uh, Attitudes of patterns of thinking. Put that up there, I'm sorry. Attitudes of patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. I wanted to remind you of that one, so thanks, Luke. That's important. So don't forget that's important, all right? But let's now go to our, where we're at in the sermon because I skipped over that, that note. 
I love this definition. It, it is a satisfaction in God's sufficient provision. Think about it. Let's really buy into this, shall we? How, do, how are we going to really get this? Well, I think we're going to have to pay close attention and really relax and let the Holy Spirit penetrate the culture that has overcome us and overtaken us in that it's never enough, we always want more and better, and things are where it's at. Clothes are where it's at. Houses and cars and things, nothing wrong with those things, but, but God is giving us some incredible doctrine here This word satisfaction, to be satisfied, you know what it means? I don't need anything else. I'm done. I'm good. Ever said that? I'm good. That's where we're all at, right? I'm good. I'm good. You don't know my car. You don't know my house. Preacher, these clothes I've had. I'm good. I'm good, man. God is enough. He's been good to me. And if he never gives me anything else, I'm, it is well. It is well with my soul. I'm good. I'm satisfied with what God has entrusted me with. This is going against the culture. This doesn't even sound like normality. This is so weird for me to say it. It's biblical. It's absolute truth. But to us, it's like, where, what planet did this preacher fall off of? Well, I, I don't know. I've never really read this preacher. You're going to have to get... No, you've read it. You've read it a lot. But the culture has changed our thinking. To rest in what someone already has and to seek nothing more is contentment. I have enough. Now, in verse 6, we see something very interesting because we see that godliness has a partner. I mean, just like salt and pepper, hot springs and hot springs village, Dallas and Fort Worth, Eric and Carol Ann. Godliness has a partner and its name is contentment. They just go together. You see, we're never to be satisfied with who we are. Only with what we have. And I don't think there's anybody in this room that would say, I don't want, I don't have, I have a desire to be more than who I am. That's a wonderful thing. Godliness is not content with who I am. Don't worry. I know all of us want to do better. We want to be better. We want to grow. We want to, uh, you know, see our business grow or, or we want to see our family succeed. We're not talking about that. Listen, what we're discussing here today, though there's a balance and there's some gray area, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us discern our way through. But contentment is this. I'm content with what I have. And if I am, there's great gain in that. There's great gain. So we're going to hit this nail on the head for about the next 20 or 30 minutes. We're going to hit it hard. We're going to hit it over and over again. Here it is. Here's the equation. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. That's absolute true. Listen, one plus one class equals two plus two equals godliness plus contentment equals exactly. It's absolute truth. That's not going to change. That's it. That's what Jesus says is great gain, great joy, abundant living, 
happier than you could ever imagine. Never want to commit suicide. Never want to, never want to, you know, step on somebody else. Never want to crush somebody to do better. That's it. That is the greatest place to be. Right there. Buy into it because the culture says that's stupid. Wow. Many don't believe that even in this room. So let's look at five false equations that don't work and let's ask ourselves the question, are we falling prey to one of these false equations? Number one, here here it is, class. Godliness plus prosperity equals great gain. And the answer is... (laughs) Survey says... prosperity oh my listen i don't usually mention names but i really don't have any guilt in mentioning this name because i think it's important that we understand <clears throat> that there's there, there there is a a a fault they're false prophets they're people preaching a false gospel and multitudes fall for it benny hen has sold more books with his false prosperity healthy wealthy gospel than chuck swindoll and David Jeremiah combined. You take a Chuck Swindoll and a David Jeremiah, you won't find two theologians that write stronger biblical books. I mean, these guys are, God is using them in a great way, but they can't even come close to what this, listen, you'll find this on the TV more than you'll find what I'm preaching today. What I'm preaching today doesn't doesn't keep you on TV. Let's get you off TV. (laughs) You lose support. This is what keeps you on TV. This right here. This godliness plus prosperity. It is a, a, a false prosperity gospel. Everyone wishes this were true, but it's not true. It's not true. Number two. Godliness plus poverty equals great gain. And the survey says... <coughs> mm, missed it again. You see, I think that some feel as if, you know, I'm poor, I'm spiritual, I'm godly. Some have taken a vow to poverty, you know, and they kind of bask in their poverty and they brag about their poverty and they brag about the fact that they don't have much and they don't have anything. And, and, and listen, you've got it wrong. That, that's not great gain. We're not talking about that equation. That's a false equation. Number three, godliness plus power and influence equals great gain. And and the survey says, stink. I'm not even close. See, I used to think that. I was in a a, a world, if you will, in, 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 in my little, if you will, business world of ministry. We'll just call it that for a minute. You know what was real popular when I was growing up? That control. Control. Buck stops here. If you don't like it, you can lump it. Control, power, influence. Let me sign your Bible. If you're lucky enough, I'll stay. I travel all over the country. I'm a big shot preacher. I've got a big church. I've got this. I've got that. And we feel as if that is what success is. That's great gain, just being a big name and on the docket and and having a big schedule and and having a big church. And there's nothing wrong with having a good-sized church. There's nothing wrong with speaking out. But I'm going to tell you, that is not great gain. Power and influence and being a control freak. You got it wrong. Number four. It's a toughie here. 
Godliness plus family harmony. Wait a minute, preacher. Equals great gain. Well, let's see. Survey says... Oh, man. Preacher, what do you mean family harmony? Well, here's what I mean. There is no such thing as a perfect family. There is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Hey, listen, if you don't believe me, just have kids and find out. You can't hide it forever. They're knuckleheads. And you can come into church and, 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 and oh, hi, sweetheart. You've, done, you've argued all the way. You know you're just faking it to make it. Problem is, we try to put on this perfection because we want to have this harmony that will make everybody else think we're the best and the greatest and the most perfect. You're missing it. It's okay to say, I'm not perfect. I struggle. I have problems. I need help. I need counsel. I need to be in church. I need it all because I don't have the perfect family and I don't have the perfect marriage. That's okay because those two things do not equal great gain. Number five. Let's try this one. This will work, I think, maybe. Godliness plus ministry success equals great gain. And the survey says, ah, I tried. I tried to find another one. I tried to find another equation that would work. Ministry success. Well, you know, we've got this building and this ministry. And I had a guy call me up uh, yesterday and had a real deep voice, you know. And he said, do you, do you have soul winning in your church I mean, where you go out, you know, I mean, every, for an hour, every week, where like everybody shows up and he said, I need that. If, if, if you have that, I'll join your church. And, and I said, sir, actually, I kind of think that's a little lame. We got away from the one hour thing and we just decided soul winning is kind of a 24-7 being a witness everywhere we go. Sometimes I find that people show up for an hour and clock in and clock out and have never witnessed to their next door neighbor. And thankfully, he said, you know, I never heard it like that. You got a point. Maybe I'll come and visit. I said, well, I wish you would. I said, because ministry success is not that we do this and do that and do it just like everybody else said. That's not godliness. That's not great gain. Truth of the matter is, is there's only one thing that fits. Only one. There's only one word that fits. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. That's it. So be honest. Have you been trying an equation that doesn't work? Because it's godliness plus contentment. So let's, let me give you three how-tos on, on being content. I want you to think about these according to the Scripture, according to the Word of God. Number one, thoughts about eternity promote earthly contentment. Thoughts about eternity. Look at verse 7, if you would, please, in, in Scripture. For we brought nothing into this world, right? A baby is born, right? You ever seen a baby born? What are they? Stark naked. I'm in Arkansas. It's naked. Stark naked, man. They ain't got nothing. That's how they come into the world. And guess how they're leaving? Hey, they don't even put... I've heard. I don't know. We can ask Mike Simmons. I don't even think they put pockets... In the pants, or they sew up the pockets of the pants of people they put in those those uh, coffins because you know you can't put nothing in your pockets anyway. Can't take anything with you. 
truth of the matter is, is that verse right there is speaking about eternity. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we will carry nothing into eternity, nothing with us in this lifetime. Bill Gates is probably someone who I would, can, I would associate with when he dies, he's going to leave a lot in this world. He's a wealthy man. He's a billionaire. He has a lot. But Bill Gates will take nothing with him. When someone dies, we often ask this question. Hey, how much did he or she leave? Here's the answer. Everything! They, they left everything. Because you take nothing with you. Think with me about the brevity of life for just a moment. Think with me, if you would, please, about the fact that life goes by so fast. I mean, many times on this past vacation, I just watched my family as we went, you know, to the pool or we went and had a little dinner time or a nice walk or whatever we did. And I, I looked at them and I thought, wow, I can't believe I have a 25-year-old son. This is crazy. I'm over twice his age. If I get my three score and ten, if I, if I get what God promises to, 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 promises to an extent, I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, God says this is what the average life, this is what you'll live. And, and in most cases, 70 is the average, if you will. There'll be some that dies earlier, some that die later. But the average, the majority will be around 70. Well, if that's true, I've got 19 more years. I've got two kids older than that. I mean, it's just right around the corner. Life is short. I mean, if I get, okay, I get 10 bonus years. I don't know, whatever. Good behavior, good guy, good health, whatever. So I get to be 80. 10 more years. You know how fast 10 years goes? I, sometimes I watch the news. I watched a little of this O.J. Simpson thing last night. That was like almost 30 years ago. I'm like, gee, I thought that was like five years ago. <laughs> I thought the Bronco thing, I, I could swear it was five, the Bronco. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, 25, 30 years ago, doofus. Hey, bro, you're old. It's coming soon, the brevity of life. Do you know why I can be and how I can be content? Think about eternity. You brought nothing into this world. Folks, if you're living for things, you're not taking them with you. Why live for something in a short period of time that you can't take with you? Live for God. Live for eternity. Live for souls. Oh, listen, I think about where we could put our money. What if we all decided this year we were going to put our money into the kids' program? What if just for 365 days, Robert, we just said, you know, I'm going to see what I can squeeze. I'm going to see if I can be content enough to not buy that so I can give a little extra so our kids can have a nice children's wing and we can help people join our church because they'll see we're investing in children. What about that? Do you think maybe that could happen? And I'm not trying to have a fundraiser right now. I'm just giving you thoughts because, I don't know, it just seems to me that it would be logic to think Man, I, I want to think about how I can impact eternity, not impact me and me alone. So think about eternity number two. Let enough be enough. Let enough be enough. Wow, look at verse eight. It's crazy. 
And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Really? Really, God? Are you serious? Well, you must mean like steakhouse food, right? Like you mean like Outback every night. And of course, raiment, you've you, you got to mean like Dillard's or Macy's, please. You don't mean like Goodwill or Walmart or Target. God help us, Target. Oh, don't get me started. Anyway, food and raiment. Food. Just like plain old food. Like rice and beans. It's good, isn't it? You ever eaten a good plate of rice and beans? Hey, just, hey, I'm so glad my son married Susanna. There's a lot of reasons, but at the top of the list is rice and beans. I'm serious, man. <laughs> People can cook rice and beans. It's like a gourmet meal for nothing. And she even buys the great value beans. She laughs at me because I say, sweetheart, they're so cheap. You can buy the better ones. They don't taste any different. I get the great value. She's convinced me. Great value is just as good. I'm getting to be content with great value. <laughs> great value equals great gain. <laughs> food. Just food. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, you know, Listen, listen, the next time a kid complains about his meal, the next time a kid says in your home, you know, I don't like this, you need to stop and, and go to right to this scripture and help them understand. Teach them the word of God. Let's be happy with what we have tonight. Let's be content. Let's be thankful that we get to eat tonight. It's not your favorite meal. And maybe it's not... The, the steak we get to eat on special occasions or the, or the big fancy meal. But, it, but it's, it's what we have tonight. You know, macaroni and cheese sometimes is good when the budget's tight. Amen? It's a blessing to have that food. And, and it really tastes pretty good with a little seasoning or a little extra salt. Hallelujah. And then raiment. Raiment. Nothing fancy. Just God just, hey, look, let me just tell you, I'm glad today that everybody has on raiment. That's cool. Because I guarantee if you did, I'd be calling John Clowers right now. Escort him out of the building. We got a new person in the auditorium. I mean, it doesn't say you have to look vogue. It doesn't say you have to be the coolest cat in the world. It doesn't say you have to have, you know, spend all this money. It just says, look, if you've got food on the table, clothes on your back, and a roof over your head, be content. Be content. Isn't that beautiful? That's great gain. Let enough be enough. How do we do that? Number one, seek it. You got to come to a place where you get after it. You just want it. You just, this is going to be where I go. This is going to be how we, I live. We're going to, this is going to be our lifestyle. It's hard. It's challenging. But a lifestyle of contentment is great gain. Yes, that doesn't mean God's not going to occasionally let you be spoiled and be blessed. And I'm thankful for the vacation we went on. And I, but I know that's not real life. Life is not a, a, a big vacation of spending extra money on this and extra meals and hotel. No, no, that, that's just a special occasion that, that, that God blesses you with. Real life is coming home to 621 3rd Street. Amen. Getting out and eat Japanese rice with soy sauce. Hallelujah. We had meat, rice, and corn last night. One of my favorite meals my wife cooks, and she loves it because it's cheap and quick, and it's good. It's good. It's okay. It's life. It's great. I'm content with that. Seek it. Seek it. Seek it as a lifestyle. Number two, say it. 
Say it, 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 say it. Say this, I have enough. Say it, I have enough. Here I am, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at the mall, and it's screaming, buy me, buy me, buy me. Let's say it, I have enough. All right, then we go over here, and, and, and the advertisement on the TV, and you need this for $19.99, and we'll give you one more, and then another one, and a free this. Let's say it again, I have enough. Just learn to say it. And sometimes, get the good deal. I'm not, listen, listen it's so funny. Had a church member that, 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 that after I preached a message recently, it was beautiful. They, they just, they, I loved it. It's a great story. I won't say who it was, what it was, but it was just funny because they texted me and they said, preacher, I promise we got this, but don't think bad of us because it was a good deal and this happened and that happened. I loved it. And I thought, I'm not preaching against getting things or, or, or getting a good deal or, or getting a new this or getting a new that. I promise you I'm not. What I'm saying is this, is that if you and I will understand that God's going to bless us with good deals and, 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 and things, and he's going to, th- those blessings come from God. But when we live for those things, when those things consume us, when that's what makes us happy, we have crossed a line from contentment to covetousness. Three, settle it. Settle it forever. Psalm 62, verse 10. Look at it. If riches increase. Okay, so you get more money. Dave, so you get a raise. So you hit the lottery, Adam. I saw you in the store the other day buying that. I'm just kidding. And uh, (laughs) I'm just joking. But if you do hit it, you better die. I guarantee you. If you do, I've been saying. If Riches increase. If you do get the money, set not your heart upon them. Hey, guess what, guys? We got all this money. Let's go spend it. Let's go get this and get that. Make your wish list. Let's get it all. No, what about... Let's help that... Let's help the church get that children win. Let's help celebrate recovery. Did you use a little bit of money? You, oh, really? To help people and feed people? So you, 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 you take a few dollars. Hallelujah. <laughs> you think Chompa Chim right now, if you've, ever, if you've been reading in the worship guide, he's trying to get into a new building. You think Chompa would be blessed if we gave him a little extra right now? Yeah, but, you know, Chompa's over there in Singapore, and, you know, he's just going to have to fend for himself. No, 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 no. No, he, he's our missionary. You gotta help him. Settle it. Number three, learn by example. Learn by example. Look at verse nine in our text. It's pretty clear. But they that will be rich, they that desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare. Learn by example. Look at those that have desired to be rich. Anybody ever heard of John D. Rockefeller? Let's learn from John D. Rockefeller. Are you ready? Let's learn from him. Multi-billionaire. I have made millions, and none of it has made me happy. Hmm. John Astors, a millionaire. I am the most miserable man on earth. Hmm. Henry Ford. I was happier as a boy working in a mechanic shop when I had nothing. Hmm. So what happens if you fall into that thinking? Well, it says that you fall into temptation and a snare. 
I like the word trap better there, but the word snare, the word trap, same word. You fall into a trap. You're trapped. I mean, you're, you're, your hands are tied. When you fall into this riches is where it's at, and if I just had more, and if I just had better, then what happens, you become the person that says, well, preacher, I know I miss church, but you know, I got that new boat. And I tell you, man, Sunday's is my only day off. So we just hit the lake. You know, I just, sorry, preacher. We'll, we'll see you after summer's over. Oh, preacher, I would give them. I appreciate Jason's little spill about the children's deal. That'd be pretty cool. I guess that would help. I would try to help, but, you know, <laughs> we, we, we just got a bigger house and a nicer car, and we just are tight right now. See, you're trapped. I, I'm sympathizing with you. I understand. It's tough. It's tough when you're trapped to do anything for God, isn't it? It's tough when you're trapped to think about eternal things. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough when you're trapped. It's tough when you got that new boat. It's tough. Isn't it hard to come to church on Sundays? Sure. What does the Bible say about a rich man? It's easier to get a camel in the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. Why? He's trapped. Poor guy. It's hard to go to heaven when you got a lot of money. Trapped. A snare. Falling into temptations. And then... Have you ever seen someone with so much money that they actually run from God? They run from the faith. They get out of church. Look at it. And, and, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith. These are people who loved money so much, they wanted money so much, they wanted more so much, that now they're not even in church. They don't even believe in God. It's like, who are you? I've seen this happen. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. People who have lived for riches and forgotten God totally. And then, in addition to that, we find out that it even gets worse because it says they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Pierced. You know what that word pierced means? Stab. Take a knife and stab yourself. I ain't doing that. You might want to, give me an example. Come on up. You need a knife. Just stab yourself. Can you imagine walking down the road and here's a guy. Ugh, ugh, what's wrong with you? I'm rich and I live for money. This is what we do. This is what we do. We just stab ourselves. We're miserable. But we live for it. Piercing themselves through. Listen, I look at the majority of this wealthy world today. I look at all this money and fame and fortune, and honestly, I don't see a lot I'm interested in. I don't. I don't see a lot of the glitz and the glamour. I see a lot of murder. I see a lot of suicide. I see a lot of divorce. I mean, hey, listen, I can find something great to say about the champ. But you know, after four marriages and kids all over the country, it doesn't sound like he was the kind of champ I want to follow. I respect a man's athletic ability, but I want to see your life. What did you live for? What did you live for? This O.J. Simpson thing, break your heart. 
Here's a man living for money, living for fame, living for fortune, living in prison. You see, what we need to understand is learn from that example. Learn from it. Well, let's get up, folks, and personal and close the message in four minutes. Number one, am I a contented person? Am I a contented person? Am I thinking about eternity? Do I really believe enough is enough? Am I learning by example? Am I content? Am I living for eternity? Think about a grain of sand. You know, we went to the beach one day on vacation, and sand is interesting, isn't it? It's, it's interesting. You take one grain of sand. By the way, it takes a while to get one grain of sand on your finger. You ever tried it? If you, if you take it, I mean, you've got to shake it off, and then, and then sometimes you, just to get one. It's, just, it, it's a work of art. So I got one, right? One. I finally got everything else off. I got them out of my fingernails. I got one grain of sand on from the oceans of the world. Okay, one. Right here. Hold on. Got it. Okay. Whew, I can hardly see it. I can't. I can see it now. All right. That's my life. That's my life. Here it is. Hey, buddy. <laughs> there you are. Every other grain of sand together. What do you live for? Number two, am I seeing the blessing of contentment in my life? Am I seeing it? Am I, am I seeing it? I mean, like, number one, like joy in the present. Do I seek joy in the present? Like, right now, like, hey, hey, Zoe, what you doing? What you doing today? Let's, let's go do this. Let's go do that. What about this? Actually, uh, I was going to stay home with mom and dad and watch the show and, and actually talk to them. That's fun. Why can't it be? Why can't just family time be fun? Why do we always have to do something, go somewhere, spend more money? Why can't we just stay home, just be together? Joy in the present. Number two, what about... Enjoying ordinary pleasures. Just simple stuff that makes you happy. Like, like, what about a nice walk? Just a nice walk. You know, we took some nice walks on this vacation. Whenever you go to Disneyland, you walk forever. But we took some nice walks. We, on, you know, hold hands and just walk. And you know, but you know what's cool about vacation is you ain't got nowhere to go. You can just walk like this. You know? It's fun. I'm like, why are we walking so slow? Well, on vacation, Dad. I got issues. I got bad. I, I'm so hyper. No wonder I can't gain on sneaking away. I just, I, I got to go, man. Let's go. I'm walking down downtown Atlanta with my daughter, Glorianne. Get this. Downtown Atlanta. And she walks slow, right? Glorianne walks slow. You ever walked with Glorianne, Vic? She walks slow. You, you got to walk slow. I'm walking a little bit fast. You know, she's about a foot and a half behind me. And I'm like, come on, Glorianne, come on. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this big lady comes up. Is he hurting you, girl? Glorianne goes, Yep. <laughs> now, if you're a guest today, you don't know I've got a special needs daughter. She says yes to everything. Yep. 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 I mean, you could just do it when you see her. Just say, you know, is your mama ugly? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I thought so. You're hurting her, aren't you, sir? Who are you? I, I'm, I'm her dad. She's a special needs daughter. We're taking a walk so my family can get ready. She doesn't like to be in confined places, so we're just walking 
I promise, my daughter has a rare disease that only 1,300 people in the world have. And, 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 and he goes, you heard what she said, said. She said, you're hurting her. I'm calling the police. She calls the police. Two squad cars come screeching up. First day of vacation. Only me, right? Only me. I mean, I, I, when, I, when my family says, they're like, Dad, how does this stuff happen to you? I'm like, I don't know. Sermon illustrations, I guess. I, I guess that's why it happens. God says we need a sermon illustration for contentment. So the police cars come up. They're like, sir, man, what's the problem? He's hurting her. I asked her. And she said, yes. Sir, are you hurting her? No, no, I'm her dad. She's special needs. Look, watch this. Give me a kiss, Gloria. And she gave me a kiss on the lips. I said, she loves me. It's just she walks slow. I, I walk a little fast. And I was, and she thought I was pulling her. I, I, I'm sorry, ma'am. And No, no. He, she said it. I said, well, ma'am, I'm, I'm a pastor. I don't care if you're a pastor. Pastors hurt kids all the time. I couldn't win with this lady. So they get my driver's license. They go back, check me out. Ma'am, he seems to be a nice man. I really think, you know, she, she, I'd go check his, he says he's at the resident sin. I'd check him. I think he's a child predator, you know. She's screaming and yelling on the way off. So I call my, the police say, look, sir, you know, sorry this happens sometimes. You know, you be thankful that she's concerned, you know. I'm like, I'm thankful. I just, her attitude's a little bit rough. But I said, you know. I'm here, I'm, I'm here to check out if you need to. So I walk off and I call my wife and I said, sweetheart, this happened. She's like, wow. I said, I don't know if they're going to come up to room 501, but they may. Sure enough, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> so the police, they sent one guy up and it was two. So, and the other one was, I didn't realize this, but was kind of following me with Glorianne. I didn't see her, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. So they're up, they're up in the, in the, in the room and he's checking our family. First, checking to see if I'm honest. And I wasn't 501 at Residence Inn. So he found that out. Then he ends up just falling in love with our family. He's like, this is the greatest, cutest. He calls his partner. I'm telling you, this guy is awesome. He's a pastor. He's got a beautiful family. You know, did he hold the baby? He didn't hold the baby. He just admired it. Yeah. And he's like, it's, the, the guy's great. So she finally stops me. She, she pulls up and I'm like, oh, no. I'm thinking, oh, no. I'm thinking, she's back. They're going to throw me in the back seat. I'm going to call my wife from jail. I'm like, what's going on here, you know? And she pulls up. She goes, sir, I, I just want to let you know that they're, you know, my partner went to your room and said you got a beautiful family. I am so sorry you had to experience this in Atlanta. We, we love our city, and it's just sad. You're on vacation. You had to go. I'm sorry. On behalf of the city, I'm sorry. I said, it's okay. So I got to thinking, guys, here's what I learned. Here's what I'm going to learn from my critic. Slow down, Capace. Hey, come, you're walking so hard, people think you're abusing children. <laughs> Slow down. My family's going to love this because they haven't heard this yet. I need to slow down. Listen, Eric, enjoy life a little bit. Relax. You don't always have to be doing something. And then what about a good meal? Just enjoy some good music. And then number three, do I realize that true joy comes in eternal things. True joy. And then finally, am I choosing contentment over covetousness moment by moment? Am I choosing contentment over covetousness? Philippians 4.11 in closing. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. That's interesting, isn't it? I have learned. I guess that means he's learned over a period of time, yes? I've learned. In whatever state I am, 
That's it. So you, what do you want? Co- covetousness? Co- covetousness. Or contentment. What an attitude. You put gratitude and contentment together. We're getting there, church. We're about to become the happiest people on planet Earth as we get rid of complaining and covetousness. And come back next week and I'll tell you something else we need to get rid of. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes with every head down, every eye closed. Let's pray that God would take the message and use it. If you're here today and, boy, listen, the things of this world are just what you've lived for and 